0: Hey everyone, Uh, Josh here with Cameron. Hey Cam. Hey. Uh, It is so good to be with you this morning, this Easter morning. And man, strange times uh, that we are in right now, but we are here to celebrate the resurrection life of Jesus Uh, because the resurrection of Jesus means for us as children of God, uh, that this period, this strange period that we are in right now uh, these peculiar times are just a blip in the beauty of what is and what is coming and so uh, we just want to come to you today to celebrate and to worship uh, our king because at the center of the christian belief is the belief that jesus christ who is both God and man, lived the perfect life that we could not live. Uh, He died the death that we deserve. That on the cross, he conquered sin, death, and the dominions of darkness. That forgiveness has been granted, the work has been finished, and he had committed himself into the hands of his Father because three days later, he knew he would raise from the dead. And when we talk about resurrection, we're not talking about resuscitation. We are talking about metamorphosis. We are talking about the entrance of a new creation. And so what Cam and I are going to talk with you guys about today, uh, Door of Hope family, for both Door of Hope Northeast uh, and uh, Door of Hope Southeast, we are gathered together as a family of churches, uh, which is a super cool thing. Uh, so strange to see. I'm still personally grieving uh, Door of Hope Northeast. Uh, not. I'm celebrating the plant. I'm (laughs) grieving the loss of seeing your faces every week. It's like a parent that gets sad when their kids go to college, and so uh, it's just good to be with Cam. Um, We're trying to social distance, so I won't turn toward him too much and breathe (laughs) on him for that, but yeah, we want to talk with you today about new creation, and so um, I just want to share a passage uh, with you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 17 through 21. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a powerful declaration that is and that. That declaration could not be if Jesus had not risen from the dead. The greatest evidence of the authenticity of the Christian message is that Jesus' earliest followers, those disciples that followed him, what caused the world to be turned upside down on its head is that they proclaimed with an absolute tenacious boldness that they saw Jesus risen that they saw the King ascend into the heavens to the right hand of the Father, and that they were experiencing the very presence of Christ's resurrection life in their lives by the very presence of His Holy Spirit. And so we just want to share three things with you today, and that is that the resurrection for us is a new reality. It means, first of all, that the world has changed, that Jesus... Risen from the dead means history and humanity is now bound up with him. That his light has entered and broken through the darkness. Jesus is the point of creation. Secondly, uh, Cam is going to share with us this powerful reality of a new hope. That death has been defeated. That the resurrection of Jesus means the end is beginning his life has entered and defeated our mortality and then third we're going to talk about this new presence new creation means that we have a new presence that his life has been given for us that we might live in the power of his resurrection life now as we look toward the future in hope of an eternity with him so just beginning uh, with this new reality I'm just going to make a couple statements about this, and that is that the world has changed. As I said, the resurrection of Jesus means that his, means that history and humanity is now bound up with him, that He is the light who came into the world. His light broke into our darkness. That Jesus came and identified fully with humanity's frailty, our rebellion has caught, had caused separation between us and God, and Jesus came, and remember at his baptism, when he was baptized by John, it was a baptism of repentance. I've often said Jesus had nothing to repent of, but he said, let it be done that righteousness might be fulfilled. And at his baptism, the heavens opened, the the Holy Spirit descended upon the Son of Man like a dove, And the voice of the father proclaimed these words, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What was the father pleased with? The father was pleased with the son's identification, not only with our humanity, but with our sin. And in this reality, Jesus perfectly lived in the frailty of broken human flesh without sin making himself the one who could become the sin bearer. And this is what we celebrate on Good Friday, is that Jesus on the cross actually worked out our salvation. He conquered the things that separate us from God, our own demons. We are our own worst enemy, our sin. Our rebellion, as I often say, if, if Satan died today, we would continue to sin tomorrow. Sin is a problem. It is our desire to be our own gods. Jesus did something about that on the cross. He conquered the dominions of darkness. And the dominion of darkness is wreaking havoc in the world right now. In this time of corona, the enemy is playing on fear, is playing on human frailty and sickness. The enemy is playing upon our idolatry as a world, and Jesus on the cross defeated that enemy. That's why he's so dangerous, because he is defeated, and why he is fighting so fiercely against God and his children in this time of grace. Jesus not only defeated sin and the dominions of darkness, but he defeated death itself because he himself is the resurrection and the life. I mean, think about it. God died. God died so that we could live. But death could not keep the one who holds the keys to life and death. Jesus said he would take up his life again on the third day. And the empty tomb for us is of central importance. It sits, it sits in the shadow of the cross. The cross may be the center of the gospel, but without the resurrection The cross would just be a sad end to a great teacher's life. Uh, And the resurrection without the cross actually couldn't happen because resurrection insinuates that first there was death. He who is the author of life died and then took up his life again, showing that he is the victor. He has conquered it all. And this is why we believe that resurrection needs to be a, a, a huge component of what we are about as a church because the resurrection reminds us not only that Jesus 2,000 years ago actually historically entered into the world and lived a life that we couldn't live, and died the death that we deserved, but that this life and this death and this resurrection now lives with an eternal significance because his resurrection isn't just a moment in time. It means that he's alive now, and that is good news. The new reality is that the world has changed. Remember what it says in 1 Corinthians The greatest evidence that Jesus is alive is not the empty tomb, but it is the fact of the gospel and its continuing ability to bring transformation to people's lives. We, the church, are the evidence of the resurrected Christ. The new reality is that his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of the Father and the sending of his spirit is that his kingdom is here, and is coming in full. We have been changed. We are a new creation, and all of the world, all of the cosmos, is under Lord Jesus' rule. He is the Lord of the universe, whether you are willing to recognize that or not. So this is our new reality. A time has changed. His death, his Resurrection reaches back into the past and fully into the future. It has eternal significance. Eternity is now. Cam's going to share with us about what this means for us in regards to our mortality.
1: Yeah. And, and the resurrection of Jesus brings not only a new reality, um, but a new hope, as Josh already mentioned. It, it means that Jesus has defeated that great previously undefeatable enemy, which is death. Um, and so the fear of death that we, we all carry to one degree or another um, can now be confronted as we live with a hope of an eternity with Jesus. If you've been following Jesus and, and leaning into this hope for a while, you, you could forget how radical it is to actually get to carry that hope with you. Um, the agonizing fear of death is not easy to overcome, uh, especially in this particular time we find ourselves in. Um, and our world tends to try to medicate it with a number of different strategies. Sometimes that's just distracting us um, from it. Sometimes that's, that's numbing us to it in various ways. This could be through the pursuit of, of, of achievement or work, pleasure, the smartphone, drugs. Uh, just Netflix autoplay can play its own part. And sometimes it's not distracting or numbing, but it's actually battling it head on uh, through what, This is a crazy sentence that I, I wrote, but I'm going to stick with it. The techno-medical simulation of endless youth or eternal life. Um, what I mean by that is like, Well, I'll illustrate it this way. If you've ever read C. That was L- a good phrase. It's, an, it's, it's a weird <laughs> phrase. Uh, so one of the subplots of C.S. Lewis's, I'd say, prophetic sci-fi book, That Hideous Strength, involves this decapitated head who is artificially kept alive in a lab with tubes and machines and gears. And it's this disturbing and disgusting image, frankly, of, of, of a sort of life after death. And there are characters in this book who view it as some sort of new, new reality or some sort of hope for eternal life, even some sort of hope of resurrection. It's a parody of of the kinds of things that only God is able to produce. And and in fact, it's almost like a parody of some of the things um, that we see today in certain, like, even elective or unnecessary medical procedures that are pretending that death isn't constantly knocking at all of our doors. Uh, But the bodily resurrection of Jesus actually gives us resources to genuinely, sincerely, finally lay to rest this fear of death. Uh, because Jesus didn't paper over it. He didn't ignore it. He didn't pretend that death wasn't a reality. He experienced it fully, as Josh just mentioned. He he did die. He himself died, and he overcame it. Um, And he promises that the same divine power that raised him from the dead will also raise everyone from the dead who has come to him in faith. Um, so to explore this, I just briefly want to look at a different passage, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 through 24. I'll read it briefly. Verse 20, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Mm-hmm. And, and what we see here is, at least part of the reality, is that his resurrection is first fruits. It's, it's a preview. It's a foretaste. Mm-hmm. What is true of Jesus, what was true of Jesus in his resurrection uh, is, is a preview of what will be true for us, all of us who are in him. Um, it's a picture, first of all, of life overcoming death. His life, as Josh mentioned, has defeated our mortality. It's defeated death, and implicit in this is the reestablishment of communion over separation. Because death always involves separation, both spiritual and physical. So spiritually, you think of, think of Genesis 3, when the humans rebelled against God. Um, You saw a separation from God's relational presence. You saw a separation between God's beloved people, one to another, uh, in Adam and Eve. And you saw even a a separation from God's good world, in a sense, with the antagonism entered in, with the curse, uh, this this adversarial relationship between our working in the world itself, um, and even the banishment from the garden. Um, and then even beyond that, when physical death comes, it's a separation as well. When someone dies, they leave us. We have to mourn the loss of them that we no longer get to be near them. And and, and even very literally, they, they leave God's good world as well and the blessing amidst the curse that's still found here. Um, and so Jesus' coming and bringing life, overcoming death, is, is the reunion, it's the It's the the reestablishment of communion from that separation Mm -hmm. in very, very real ways. It reverses all the discord of Genesis 3 and and life that's continued up to to now. Um, So life overcoming death. And secondarily, we see this really interesting thing where God's kingdom overcomes every false rule and every false authority and every false power. And that's necessary because uh, every false rule, every, every... influencing power in this world that doesn't bend the knee to Jesus is ultimately a source of sin, of evil, of death, of abuse, of oppression. Um, if, if, if this new work that God is going to establish is actually going to remain good, he has to push away every single thing that might corrupt it. And he will do that because he loves and He cares. So God's kingdom overcoming these false rules is a really important part of this good news as well. And so Jesus' resurrection declares that this reality, life over death, God's kingdom coming in full, will be the state of things for us in full one day. Death and its effects will not have the last word. There will be a resurrection for all those who are in Christ, a glorious future day. And honestly, this is, it's super hard for us to imagine it. I, I think of like the great sci fi filmmakers and novelists who, when they imagine, uh, when they try to imagine a utopia, (laughs) it's always a utopia that starts and then devolves into a dystopia. They're much more comfortable playing in the world of dystopia because, though they don't have the language for it, if they're honest and truthful uh, artists, they're going to have to acknowledge sin. That every human attempt to, to pursue eternal life on our own terms, to pursue endless youth on our own terms, to pursue... Uh, a a utopic vision of society, the result is always suffering. It's always destruction. Mm -hmm. It's always a gross, twisted mirror image of what God alone is able to produce. Mm -hmm. Um, But the biblical authors, inspired by the very spirit of God himself, they don't have that problem imagining this or declaring this kind of reality. So John, catching a mysterious vision from God of what the prophet Isaiah called the new heavens and the new earth, Uh, he writes, he wrote about what he saw in the book of Revelation. And the last two chapters of that book, to me, well, which are the last two chapters of the Bible, are some of the most inspiring and hope-filling chapters in the whole scripture for me. And so uh, let's just read together just just a little bit of John's inspired vision from Revelation 21 and 22. And we're not going to read the whole thing, but but, uh, we'll jump around a bit. Every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And jumping ahead, he says, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth. Will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. And they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what's detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations and no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. And there is so much incredible imagery and so much culmination of so many beautiful biblical themes in in those chapters. You should go read it for yourself. But the basic idea here is that the project that God started with his people in the garden, before the fall, before the entrance of rebellion against God, the entrance of sin and the entrance of death, that project gets picked back up. And death's defeat will give way to a new day where God's resurrected people dwell on God's resurrected world with the resurrected Messiah King there with them in their midst. Mm -hmm. A new chapter in an endless story. One so beautiful, we can hardly imagine it. But for now, Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits which gives us confidence that this future hope is real and it's coming. Mm -hmm. That was awesome.
0: Finally, we want to say that not only is the resurrection for us, this new reality, the world has changed. Time itself has changed. I think Lewis once said, it's the time when time turned a corner. (laughs) Uh, Not only do we have new hope, death has been defeated. Uh, That which is mortal will put on immortality. That which is corruptible, the outward man, the outward woman may be perishing the inward man, the inward woman is being renewed and we will receive those resurrection bodies and live for eternity in a physical and spiritual, united in a new way, because mm-hmm. it's new creation, uh, we will live for eternity. And it's not about the amount of time, it's not no. time, endless time, as we, as we all now are right now experiencing with corona, especially if you're a young parent, and there's many of you, you already feel like you're in eternity. And you know as well as I do that time is not necessarily awesome. It's about the quality of the time. And the quality of the time, what will make heaven heaven, is that we will be together. We will be with Jesus. Jesus is the point of creation. He's the point of eternity. Mm. And he will be in the midst there will be no sun for God himself will be the source of light for his people. I've always loved that imagery. But what about now? What about in this strange time we are living? What is God doing in this time? Is God the cause of the coronavirus? I'm not personally a big... I, I don't hold to that theological grid that God is responsible for all that happens. What I do hold tenaciously to is that God is in control, and that God is the one who has the absolute freedom and the power to weave every dissonant note into his redemptive story and song. And what I want you to know right now, in this time, I believe that God is using this infection that is wreaking havoc on real lives, some of you may have loved ones that have been impacted by the coronavirus. I myself was super sick the first week and I may or may not have had it and so did Tim and it was lonely and it was a little scary and it was scary trying to figure out how to do church and I experienced that sense of isolation and fear. And I I tried to share uh as as honestly as possible without freaking people out. I did get a couple emails, of people worried. Um I'm doing great. Uh, I'm embracing the age of corona because I know that we will move through it. And I believe that God is using this time to strip us of our idolatry, to remind us that we are not in control of our universe, <laughs> that there is an illusion of control that has kept people keeping God at arm's, arms distance. Right now, people are looking for answers, they want to know that life is more to offer than what we are experiencing through our iPhones and our computers and our Netflix and our television and our ambitions and our jobs. As people are losing work and people are sick, may it be a time where the dark and sad things that are really happening creates in us, first and foremost, as children of God, a a, unwavering hope that Jesus is able to work powerfully in and through all of this. And so here is the close, that this resurrection, this resurrected King means that we have a new presence, that his life has been given. The resurrection of Jesus means if we truly trust in him as Lord, and believe that God has raised him from the dead. We are a new creation, that is, we shall be saved. Salvation is always in three tenses. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. Why are those tenses in play? Because Jesus himself is our salvation. We are new creations because we are in him. Whatever we are talking about, it's wrapped up with Jesus. And and I think Galatians chapter two, verse 20 declares it best. I have been crucified with Christ. This is the good death. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, that is this moment where we are feeling the frailty of our mortal bodies and and the the very frailty of of creation itself that is groaning as it awaits its redemption. I, I live by faith. That is in this moment, in these bodies, we are living by faith in what? In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. See, the good death is simply the surrender of one's life, it's the surrender of control, the illusion of control. It's the death to the lie of what God never intended. For you, That you might experience the very resurrection life, that is, the presence of Christ's life by his Holy Spirit right now in this place, in this time. That we can become conduits of God's grace. That we can become, as the opening passage we read to you, we can become ambassadors of reconciliation. Who are you reaching out to in this time to remind them that Jesus loves them? I have had some conversations this week with people that are hurting deeply. I talked with my dad for the first time. I saw him for the first time in a year yesterday. We had a a chaplain, just these little acts of grace, so beautiful, this chaplain uh, called me uh, via FaceTime so that my family could talk with dad in the hospital. And my dad is not an overly emotional person, and he began to weep and I wanted to be next to him so bad, but there was this man, Frank, being an extension of Jesus' very life, his resurrection life, right there with my father, standing by his side, praying over my father, helping my dad's family connect with him in a very real way. And this is the power of the moment that we are in is that we can grab a hold of the brokenness that's in the world and be, be an infusion of the resurrection life of Jesus by just being available in this moment where we live by faith and bring the calm confidence that we have in this future hope, in this new reality, in this living presence to those that are feeling despair. If you are feeling despair, we want you to know we love you and Jesus loves you. And I will say this every time I preach. I feel it's become my tagline, on your worst day, Jesus is crazy about you. Hmm. He is with you. He is alive. And this is what we celebrate today. Cam and I are so privileged to be able to shepherd as amazing of a community as Door of Hope. But we even recognize as we look into this camera and try to pretend that there are people in front of us, we even recognize that on the other side, there are people that aren't even a part of the Door of Hope community that are watching this right now who are just You probably, you might be the one that just happened to stumble across the Door of Hope website because you were looking for something to hope in that's bigger than yourself because you're afraid right now. We want you to know that put your faith in the living Christ. He created you for himself and you will not be truly fulfilled until you are in right relationship with him. He's already made it possible. It's the simple yes his yes. It's the proclamation, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's the, it's the request, Jesus, forgive me for the sins that I have committed. For we all know we've broken God's law. We hurt people. We're dishonest with ourselves. We're dishonest with the world around us. We can't save ourselves. If this time has shown us anything, is that we can't save ourselves. We need a Savior. And the good news is that there is a Savior, and He has conquered sin, death, the dominions of darkness. He has rose from the dead. He is
1: alive.
0: And so I close with this powerful, this powerful quote from one of my favorite theologians, Donald Blush, that we as a church, we acknowledge that the holy and living God of the scriptures has acted decisively and irrevocably, for the salvation of the human race through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Put your trust in Him and experience His resurrection life today. Hope in Him and find freedom from the fear of your own mortality and the fact that we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And believe that He really did live the life that you couldn't live and died the death that you deserved and rose from the dead and changed time forever. This is our king. If anyone be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. We love you guys so much. God bless. Happy Easter. Um, I pray that you just celebrate your families. Cam, you want to say anything close? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Just want to say I love you guys. It's an honor to be here with you in a sense. And we do hope that, uh, that you're able to remember the resurrection and all the hope we have because of it. We love you.
0: Virtual hugs. Virtual hugs. <laughs> love you guys.